It's Cofield and Company. He's an anti-winger. Hates chicken wings. Leave! Because the boomers are out there going, ah, well, you never heard of the flu? We made it through that every single year. I'm a lunatic. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Three o'clock hours here. Angels helping us out. Don Von Tobel fighting. He wants it. He wants it. Hour number two, ear update. You okay? Still leaking. Okay. And you just took a picture and sent it. No, I just, because I, I can't see it. So that's okay. what I, I do to. How bad does it look? I think it looks kind of gross. And you still, how long are you waiting on the doctor to call you back? Uh, I called on my way here, so we're going on an hour and a half. Yikes. Right. Doors closed at five, so. If he's upright, we'll have an update after four and also after five. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. I kid because I care. You leave when you have to. I'm here to the bitter end. It's a lot of good stuff to talk about today. We got oh, my liquid falls down. the Golden Knights game coming up tonight. Uh, today technically is, is the Golden Knights birthday, fifth anniversary of being awarded the franchise, our first major league franchise yeah. in Las Vegas. When you think about what this team has given you, the fans, and us, the media people, this is pretty incredible, right? We're talking today about a series uh, being, what, the third in four years in the conference finals for the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the team that was an expansion team having a Hall of Fame goalie in Marc-Andre Fleury and the guy who's ready to supplant him, Robin Leonard, on the roster for another four years. A deep, experienced team. They went from misfits to an older, more experienced team in transitioning. The run has been incredible. I'm not saying that everyone should be satisfied if they bow out in two games from here against the Canadians, but let's all put it in perspective. They were, j- <laughs> We just got awarded an NHL team five years ago. Look what it's produced. Dude, I, so I remember I went to the expansion draft. So I, I remember sitting there at T-Mobile and like watching the draft. Like, hey, this is cool, you know. They'll win like yeah, like 20, 30 games maybe this year, and it'll be great to see this build up over the next 10 to eventually compete. Yeah, it was for a five. Stanley it Cup. was well. I mean, Foley said at the time he's like, I, I got a five-year plan to win right. a Stanley Cup, and we're all like, okay, come on. Right. I mean, they've been to one final, and they've been to a conference final three to four years. I mean, look, five-year plan could still be <laughs> right. They've been competing every single year. Uh, but the five-year plan could actually you could hit it right on the head because today's the fifth birthday. So, no, I think it's pretty cool. Like, from where it started, I just remember the, the entire, like, the hullabaloo around it, doing the little media stuff that we would do leading up to it, the name unveiling, all of these things, like, from this moment, the year or the day that they were awarded this franchise. It is pretty cool to see. Over these four years, do you think hockey fans, what you've seen from hockey fans up close, do you think they're any different than NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL fans? No, they all Soccer stink. fans? They all stink. Well, I don't know if they'll stink. When I say that, I mean. They can all be very up and down, and they can turn on a dime on players. And they, they pick players to be their favorites. And obviously, there's a you know there's quite the rivalry between the Leonard and the Flurry fans. I just I think for sports fans in general kind of stink, all for those reasons. So You guys sent over a picture or a video of an Islanders fan just flipping out last night. They got destroyed. They get lost 8 nothing. <laughs> Guy stands up and does what? He he tears his jersey off and throws it on the ground and, like, leaves Nassau. It's so good. No, they weren't Nassau yesterday, were they? Oh, no, they were, yeah. 
It's pretty good. I mean, I want to dig into uh, New Jersey, New York fans and say, hey, they're – well, I will say they're, they're not always all they're cracked up to be. They can be, you know, pansies and kind of overreact as well. But when I saw them do it, I was like – I, w- I personally, because I'm cheap, I wouldn't take a $180, $130 sweater and chuck it on the ground and leave it. But would I storm out of an arena? Maybe. Well, I mean, I, I Although, would. you know what, I will. I, and with my teams, I'm, I, usually, I, I usually just sit there and just deal with it as a glutton for punishment. Well, I mean, look, I would leave. I would get angry. But I, I would love to see the whole clip of him coming back and being like, <laughs> Yeah, I probably need that. That was probably really expensive. I shouldn't just leave this here. And also, like, you're in the semifinals of the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? It's not like this is a January game of you getting destroyed know, like, by the New Jersey Devils. Like, what you're mean? A very. Are you saying that's it's that's like a it's good a, re- that's a good reason to get that pissed off? Well, like a regular season game against a relatively right, bad right, team, right. you know, getting wrecked. You know, you're in the semifinals against the defending champs, and you're still alive. <laughs> like, it's that's like a oh my god. I've been cheering for this garbage franchise for years, and this is where we're at. Like, your franchise is actually pretty competitive and pretty good. I can't wait to see what our Raider fan base is like. It's funny, last night on the podcast, and we do a podcast pretty much every night, Monday to Friday, tonight's at 9 o'clock. We'll have our uh, superstar, Allie, leading the way on the Cofield & Company podcast tonight. Well, last night, we had good old Chuck. Remember Chuck Ojeda? I do. I remember because I watched a little this morning. Uh, Chuck produced Cofield and Company for a while, and he actually had one of his good buddies on who I was like, I was thrilled to have on. Really funny guy. He's a comedian. He's playing in town. He actually is doing a residency Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Brett Ernst, who is, if people watch Cobra Kai, he's like the jerky cousin of Daniel LaRussa who works at the dealership. Cousin Louie. Okay. That, that's what he plays, right? So we talked a little bit about that. But we were talking about what the Raider fan base. We actually, we were talking about a lot of NFL fan bases, and you know, the toughest places to go. Like, can there are NFL stadiums where you're like, if I go, can I wear my freaking jersey, or am I going to get harassed? And I, I, I don't know. Oakland never felt like a real good place to go with the right. opposing jersey on. Um, Green Bay, I think you can do that, right? And then there's all different spots in between. Now, I don't think the Las Vegas Raiders crowd is going to be like the Oakland Raiders crowd, but I don't. I'm not going to say the environment around Las Vegas, around the Raiders, will be that dissimilar. Because just just because the, the hardcore Raider fans may not be able to get in initially because we scooped up so many of the high-end PSL mm-hmm. tickets doesn't mean that Raider element won't be here. What do you think it's going to be like? Like, I, not I, only in the stadium, but also around the Strip where Raiders fans are going to flock. If they can't get in the stadium, they're going to be on the Strip drinking, watching football, and, like, Ready to go, positive, negative after the games. I think it's going to be that. Right? I don't think the stadium's actually going to be that bad. Like inside no. the stadium, whatsoever. No. Right? Get, I think there's a good that. chance it's going to be a wine and cheese crowd. Correct. Until tickets start getting sold, but I think this first year, a lot of the fans who paid all this money didn't get to watch them last year. Will go. Right. So now you're talking about the the areas surrounding it. Right. That's but, but, that's where it's going to get insane. Yeah. But I wouldn't belly up to a bar after a tough Raiders loss oh, up the road. With your opposing jersey, and there's, I think, there's that I think bar. You're gonna, think you're going to talk trash. There's that bar up the street that I've been wanting to go to for up Allegiant, up Russell. Like I wouldn't go there. Oh, well, I, uh, I've seen no, but I just mean like that looks like a great spot. Yeah. And I'm sure it's a wonderful business. But I've also seen a lot of like parked cars during Sundays pulled up in that parking lot with Raiders flags and like That's Lakers right. flags flying. And, uh, yeah, like I don't know if I would hang out there after a tough loss. Yeah, if I was careful. in the opposing cheering. So completely flipping it, right? I don't know that there is one type of Raider fan. There's really no one type of NFL fan for each team. Is Vegas ready to be cool and handle the Carl Nassib announcement 
with class and, and embrace it? I think they should be. Like this is so obviously what NASA did yesterday was a very historic first active NFL player, right, to come out as gay. And us as a city, we should probably be take some pride in that you know, like your franchise, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be tied to this moment for the rest of the NFL's history as you go forward. And this is something you should be prideful in. And us as a community should really embrace NASA. I like to think that we're a progressive city. That's not to say that we don't have people who are ass backwards. Of course. I like to think that that will be welcoming and this will be a good thing. And that the Raiders are actually one of the best organizations to deal with for Carl Nassib. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think that there is, you know, I look, I have, I have plenty of gay family members. And so I, like, I am, a little bit more into the gay community than I, you know, I think like I, I should say normal, but then most, right. I've been to a lot of spots and like, you're comfortable. Right. And like, I think that this is a community that is really deep and enriched with that stuff. And I, and I think this is something where you would find that this community should be and very, very much should take pride in something like this. Like this is, I think a very cool moment. Up next, Q Myers, our Raiders insider, Lockdown Raiders podcast. We'll check in. We're going to talk more about, Nassib and the effect it'll have on the locker room and on the field. Right now, we're all making predictions on it. And we got to go back to last week, uh, that very inflammatory discussion or quote that was out there or a note that was out there that Damon Arnett essentially, for some, is an afterthought. That's That was a shocking note last week, and I wonder how Arnett's going to react. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. That time of the week on a Tuesday, we talked to Q Myers down in Waco, our Raiders expert, Lockdown Raiders podcast, big NBA guy as well. He knows everything in the world of sports. Let's start out with uh, Clippers and Suns back at it for game two. Uh, Marcus Morris a little bit beat up for the Clippers. What kind of chance do you give the Clips in this series? You know, it's so funny because last week you asked me if I gave the Clippers any kind of a chance, and I said no. I didn't. I just didn't believe. Remember, I didn't believe in the Clippers, and and yep. and then Kawhi goes down, and I'm thinking, there's no way that playoff Paul is going to come through and really be able to get it done for him. And and lo and behold, they were able to. And they've been down in every series. They've been down against the Mavericks. I thought they were done when they were down 2-0. They they bounce back. They find a way to win. I thought they were down and out against the Jazz, and they find a way to come back and win. And now they're down a game against the Suns. They play tonight, and. I don't want to doubt them, but I still honestly don't believe in them. I just don't believe that they're going to continue to to be able to bounce back and overcome these injuries. I think Kawhi is major. The only thing that's a saving grace for him is that CP3 is out. And I, I hate that for CP3. I really do because he's been that guy his whole career. I've always said that push comes to shove in the playoffs. The one thing you can guarantee is CP3 is going to get injured. And now he's coming down with COVID. Like of all things to derail the guy's playoff run, he's a potential. could have been an MVP type guy. He had that kind of a season for the Suns. And all of a sudden to see them have to go in there and go to battle without their guy. And Booker was able to be the guy in game one, but can they sustain that? So I do believe the Clippers have a good chance in this because I don't know when Chris Paul is coming back. Yeah, and the Clippers s- have continued to, to, to disrespect me and shut me up. So I guess I guess that the Clippers got a chance. Q Myers is with us. He's our uh, Raiders insider, uh, big on the NBA, as we'll get to the Raiders and the big news around uh, Las Vegas with the Raiders and Carl Nassib here in just a couple minutes. A couple more things on the NBA. Uh, how did you take the LeBron story quote 
last week when Kawhi went down and LeBron said injuries were inevitable. You know, this is what I told everybody. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's it's easy to be a prophet after the fact, right? It's easy to come out and say, I told you so, after the fact. Uh, what I've heard and what I've seen is that the injuries aren't any more than what they usually are. It's the fact that the injuries are to people with big names. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, there's more injuries to guys with big-time names, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Anthony Davis's, the LeBron James, guys like that, the, the James Harden's, the, the, the um, you know, Kyrie Irving's. There's a lot more big-time superstar names that are getting hurt, but really there's not more injuries than what we see in the league. And I do think that, you know, the quick turnaround had a little something to do with it, but I don't think it's as big as what – LeBron is saying, and if anyone didn't know, and I think a lot of people didn't realize that because similar to what we were saying about Booker, not enough people have been exposed to him. Anthony Davis has been injury prone his whole career. I mean, if you go back and look at what he did in New Orleans, he was always hurt. And so it doesn't change. If you're an injury prone dude in New Orleans, guess what? You're going to be an injury prone dude in L.A. And that's what it's been. It's shown to be. I don't think a lot of people knew that because a lot of people weren't watching Pelicans basketball. Watch him now because of Zion, but didn't really watch him because of Anthony Davis. He's a good player. Never thought he was someone that I just had to stop down and watch. Is Ben Simmons that kind of player? What's happening with Ben Simmons right now? Your reaction to him just getting blasted over the last day and a half? Man, I laugh because I just, I mean, I I laugh for a reason. I almost feel bad for him, but then I don't because I know he's a professional. I know he's out there doing his thing, and, and I just think that he's in his own head right now. I really feel like it. I mean, what, what told me he was in his own head is he get, he he had an opportunity to dunk the ball, and he passed. He passed the rock up, and he had a point-blank dunk attempt, and he just didn't – I mean, he just – it's almost like a golfer when they get the yips and they just don't have any confidence. He just doesn't have any confidence anymore. I think he's a really good player. Now, obviously, he's got some shooting, shooting issues. Free throw line, he's not a three-point threat. But he's a big, tall defender. He's a guy who can, who can handle the rock. I mean, there's a place for him in the league. The problem is that wherever he ends up, if it's Philadelphia or somewhere else, he's got like $140 million still left on his contract that a team has to pay for a guy that's been exposed and talked about game after game after game and saying, hey, this is the weak link. What team really wants to take that on right now? Is he the kind of guy uh, some of the Texas teams could be interested in, especially Dallas, if Porzingis doesn't want to be there? Maybe that's the beginning of a swap. Um, what about San Antonio? I mean, uh, you know, one last chance for Pop? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think Dallas is a good fit. I, I think that they need someone who can knock down buckets and, and be more consistent and be a more compliment to Luka. But I do look at Houston and San Antonio and say, hey, those are those are two those are two teams that could be viable. Those are two teams that could use a, play, a player like that, especially Houston, depending on what's going to go on with the, the draft lottery tonight. Maybe they end up with the one number one overall pick and they end up going and getting Cade Cunningham. And then all of a sudden you, you, you pair him up with Ben Simmons who can dish the rock and doesn't have to worry about really shooting. I mean, I could see a really good uh, backcourt right there with, with Ben Simmons and, and possibly Kay Cunningham if, if Houston gets the number one overall pick. And San Antonio, I'm never going to go against Pop. I think Pop knows how to make everyone work. You know, he makes, he makes good players great, and he makes great players elite, and he makes role players really, really good. So I, I, I won't go against Pop. I've learned, I've learned that fatal mistake. Don't ever go against Pop because he will prove you wrong. Q Myers up on Cofield and Company. He's our Raiders insider on Tuesday's Lockdown Raiders podcast. He does his five-day-a-week show in Waco, Texas. Uh, were you blown away? Do you think the Raiders were blown away by the announcement yesterday of Carl Nassib that uh, he is gay? You know, I don't think they were. I, I And I, you know, I, I saw the news and I thought, oh, good for him. You know, I, I kind of applauded it when I saw it. And uh, at first it was funny. I saw the Adam Schefter tweet 
I did. I wasn't on Instagram. I don't have Instagram, so I didn't see the video, but I saw the tweet and the way it was worded. I thought he got hacked. You know, I thought he had just been hacked by someone and put it out there. And then when I saw the video, I said, oh, you know what? Good for him. It's a it's a huge weight off his chest. Um, I don't think that the team was probably that caught off guard. They may have had some kind of understanding or idea that maybe that was the, the case that he was gay. Maybe they didn't. I don't think that the Raiders organization really cares. You know, they've been at the forefront of everything. You know, they've all they've always overcome barriers. And I think this is just another one that you can just kind of put a notch on their belt and say, hey, you know, now they have a, 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 a gay man that's playing actively in the league and is a guy that I expect to be on the team in in 2021. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that they applauded it. I, I like the fact that Mark Davis said, you know, at, at some point, maybe we won't even have to have announcements like that. And I think ultimately that's the goal to get to is where that's not even a big deal anymore. How do you think it affects the Raiders on the field and in the locker room? I mean, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I saw guys like Clee Furrow came out and, and said that that's cool. That's my guy. You know, Jonathan Hankins said the same thing. I haven't seen too much from any other players uh, on the Raiders. I saw J.J. Watt, Saquon Barkley come out and say something. Saquon played with them in college at Penn State. So I saw that. But I, I haven't seen an overwhelming kind of response from players. But I think that – I think they're – Honestly, I think that the locker room is going to be fine with it. Um, you know, if they don't appreciate it or don't like it or don't, I mean, I'm sure that they'll have those private conversations. But all in all, I think in 2021, I think people understand that there's gay guys in the league. There's gay guys in all all sports. I mean, they just, you know, they just haven't come out and said anything like Carl came out and said on Monday. So, um, you know, that's something I think they'll work out uh, behind closed doors. But I, I think that I think it'll be fine. I really do. I think, or this, this is my belief, and I said it yesterday, um, hey, maybe there's a good chance here that uh, because this was weighing heavily on Carl Nassib, especially last mm-hmm. year, that his performance just wasn't that great. If I'm a Raiders fan, I'm actually kind of excited. Maybe this is what was kind of holding Carl Nassib back. I'm, I, I'm with you 100%. I thought about that all night long, and, and it was really – I mean, he only had, what, two and a half sacks and an interception in 2020 for the Raiders. So I'm, I'm hoping that, yeah, he can get back to that, that guy he was when he was in Tampa Bay and had six and a half sacks and led that team. You know, if you can get five or six sacks in a rotational-type role – we all know the Raiders need sacks as much as possible, man. They got to get after the quarterback. I don't care who it is. So, yeah, I think that with a clear, open mind, not having to have any kind of worry. And, and look, I don't know how much it worried him while he was on the field, but just having another thing to think about and just having something else even floating around in your mind can kind of weigh you down a little bit. So I think that he has an opportunity to really go out there and say, hey, I'm at peace with myself. Let me just go out there and ball. Uh, he's put up 20 and, a half, 20 and a half sacks throughout the course of his career so he, he can get to the quarterback. And I think that he's now going to have that opportunity to battle it out in training camp, make sure he earns and solidifies that, that roster spot, and then go out there and be the best Carl Nassib he can be. And I, I do think that the Raiders are going to get probably a much better player than they had in 2020. Well, there's going to be a ton of competition for playing time. Hopefully Nassib can work himself back in to the rotation and really be an impact player. Uh, man, the athletic last week, stirring the pot, you know, real slow time of the year. And uh, Vic Tafer and company come out with the story, or at least a note, about uh, Damon Arnett calling him, quote, an afterthought. That's kind of hard to believe. The 19th pick in the draft, and now he may be on the outside looking in for that job? Right. I saw that, and I read that, and I actually did a little bit of a podcast response to it on Monday about it. And I just – I think that he has his work cut out for him. I think that he definitely has to go in there and show why they picked him at number 19 overall. But I don't think – I think afterthought was such a harsh word. I think that that almost is like, hey, they're, they're, they're taking him out to the, to the curb on, on Monday for trash day or something. And, and, and I don't believe that that's the case. They were very high on him coming out of training camp last year to the point where they gave him the starting job week 
one. They didn't even do that with Trayvon Mullen when they drafted him. Remember, Trayvon Mullen sat behind Garyon Conley for the longest, and then when they felt he was ready to, to step in and take that role, then they moved Garyon Conley. They traded him and brought Trayvon Mullen in. He's been a starter ever since. I thought that was what they were going to do with Damon Arnett. I thought Prince of Makamura last year was going to have that job, and then they all of a sudden released him. So Damon Arnett earned that job. Did he have a rough rookie year? Absolutely. There's a lot of things he needs to clean up. One, he's got to stay healthy. He's, he's gained about 12 pounds of, uh, of muscle. At least that's what the reports are. Uh, he, he's got to you know, be able to keep his head out of the tackle so he doesn't get concussions like he did multiple times in 2020. A couple more of those concussions, he's really going to be on the outside looking in like what in the world's going on. But I, I, don't, I don't write him off. I don't write him off. I don't think that he's an afterthought. I think that there's been competition brought in, and I think that's healthy. Competition's great. Bring in Casey Hayward. Bring in a guy that's familiar with Gus Bradley's system. I thought last year a veteran should have been there at the corner position. I think they realized that maybe they rushed him on the field maybe a little too early, especially being injured, having that wrist injury. So now, hey, there's going to be an open competition. Gruden said it a week ago. The best four or five guys are going to be out there playing, whether it's a rookie Nate Hobbs or if it's a a veteran Casey Hayward. But he did say Casey Hayward's not here to give away his job, and I think that's a good thing. Competition brings the best out in everybody. Q, I also think that the uh, the Raiders aren't heartbroken that the term afterthought is out there. It right. sends it sends a message to Damon Arnett if he's not taking it seriously and he's not working the way he should. Here you go, you know now now publicly uh, you're getting shamed a little bit. So get it together because you still have a chance to be a starter in this league, but you got to work at it. Um, last one, let's close on this. Uh, we heard from Gruden last week. He said uh, the coaching staff is vaccinated. The team seems like they're on pace to you know, approach that 85% level where you can get back to normal. Meanwhile, you got some other teams very publicly uh, pushing back on the vaccine, uh, pushing back on the rules that the NFL put out there, including, as I've called them, freedom fighter, courageous move here by Cole Beasley, who sounds like he may walk away from the game if he's not pleased with the way this whole thing goes down. And the Bills may have more than just Beasley as a trouble on their hands when it comes to being vaccinated and operating under normal circumstances. Yeah, and that's a that's a heck of a story to follow, you know, and, and he talked about he, he would much rather retire. He's made his money. He'd much rather retire than do what he's told he has to do when he doesn't believe in being vaccinated. And look, this is this is my thing, man. And I've been talking about it. And I also talked about this on the podcast where I said, I get it. Everyone doesn't believe in getting vaccinated. Everyone doesn't believe that it's going to be uh, what they need to do. Some people don't believe you need vaccination at all. I get it. But if the NFL is going to make you follow the rules of 2020 that nobody liked and make it very difficult for you. This, you know, they could tell you you have to do something without actually saying you have to do something. And that's what the NFL is doing. They've made the, they've made the rules very difficult for you if you don't get vaccinated. So in my opinion, I just thinking, Hey man, just go get it done for your sake, for the team's sake, for your ability to be able to just somewhat live a normal life, you know, and and I get it. You know, some people are firm believers in, in what they believe and they don't want to do it. But we started this whole thing off talking about CP3 and the Suns. CP3 is out right now, you know, and there's even conversation that he had the vaccination, but he's not there right now in crunch time for his team when they need him the most. What happens if Cole Beasley week 17 all of a sudden is out in the game that the Bills need to win? to get to the playoffs, he's going to want to kick himself because he doesn't have that vaccination. He hasn't had clearance. Or maybe one of his teammates gets it, and he has to have contact tracing because he doesn't have the vaccination where you don't have to worry about contract tracing if you've already been vaccinated. I mean, there's so many things. I don't want guys to ever go against what their beliefs are or, or you know any of that stuff because, hey, you know, you are who you are. You believe in what you believe. 
But sometimes, man, you've got to do something for the good of everyone around you on your team and the organization. And right now, the organization is the NFL. Q, great spot, man. We'll talk to you. Absolutely. Appreciate you, my man. It's always fun being on. There he is, Q Myers from Locked On Raiders Podcast. Strong stuff on Carl Nassib. We'll continue on the Nassib stuff in about 20 minutes from OutSports and CBS Sports Radio. Alex Reamer will be up on Cofield and Company. The phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. The brother is so young, he's got a J. He's got a handle. He's got a mid-range game. He's got a long-range game. He can create his own shot. This brother is something special. His game is incredibly similar to what you've seen, what you used to see from Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, we got Clippers and Suns back tonight so we got hoopage we got hometown hockey going down golden knights six o'clock puck drop over on fox sports las vegas 98.9 fm and 13:40 a.m make sure you uh if you want all the hardcore breakdown of it it all goes down at four o'clock leading up to the game ryan the hockey guy leading the way darren millard as well and the uh the basketball of course game two which is weird because the east has not started yet game two Clippers trying to even the series. Six o'clock start. Phoenix took a one nothing lead. Man, Stephen A. Smith, and I want to address this more in the Big Five. I think we got to pump the brakes. I, who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe five years from now, Devin Booker will be so awesome. He'll be like, Stephen A. is one of the first guys who said it. Uh, I think you got to pump the brakes on the Kobe stuff, at least for now. For now. Do you feel like the Ben Simmons attention the last day and a half is – overshadowing the playoffs a little bit? No. Okay. But I'm also – I think I'm also the wrong person to ask because I'm, like, locked into every single second. Right. And I care about everything. But if you were programming a low-hanging fruit show – Oh, I think that's all I'm talking for about. For casuals, then Simmons is bigger than either one of these series right now. For, yes. another, for like, another day or so. Unless, unless something comes out where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Doc Rivers is – cursing about him or Embiid goes even further or there's some you know someone in the league says like no one wants him uh, especially you know, because now, now, we we uh and we'll play this later for you uh we had Stephen A today you know reading a text live on air where he's like yeah someone just texted me they said you know this this and this about Simmons and you're like <laughs> oh like kind of blasting his work ethic which then there's also there's the low-hanging fruit topic of what is Ben Simmons doing with his free time who is he hanging out with yeah then you got the Kardashian and Jenners. They're trying to make comments on, you know, the the, the curse in general. Mm. They're like, oh, it's the guy's fault. Uh, then we saw the story today. Well, did, did Chloe get it again? Yeah. She Tristan, got duped again? Tristan Thompson was uh, allegedly seen being pulled into a room with two other females and coming out looking disheveled, to which Tristan responded on Twitter with five hat emojis or cap. What is that? Say. What's that one? Cap. What's that? Like, it was, it's a lie. It's not truthful. Oh, really? Yeah, you're capping. I feel like I'm, like, five years behind, and I – couldn't he just – God, I'm bad at this. Couldn't Tristan Thompson react – The report is untrue. Couldn't he react – couldn't he re- – <laughs> could, no, no, no. Couldn't he – not in mean, like, the, the, the Queen's English. Uh, couldn't he react by just sending out the Kermit sipping tea? No, because that means he's minding his own business. 
Cap, he's 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 pushing back on the report itself, calling it. When a did lie. the Cap thing start? I missed it. Well, they don't ask me that. I don't know. It just it just came out into the lexicon, and now I know what it means. And I don't use it because I'm too old to use it. Oh wow, you're too old. Yeah, but like you know, like I understand it. When I'm playing Apex Legends on PlayStation and the kids are using it, I know what's going on. I don't you know. know I don't know what any of that meant at the end. Oh, it's funny. Just try it out. Apex Legends really good. Um, by the way, did you read? So I, you mentioned Ben Simmons really quickly. Going back to it. Did you read the big write-up? You know how we always have these exposés on teams after they're eliminated? The Mavericks had the whole thing with Harlem Bob. Uh, there was a really good piece about Ben Simmons written over on Fox Sports. I didn't realize that Fox Sports is actually posting written pieces now again. Uh, but it was up there. And? And, and it, I mean, so one of the things that has come across from me just reading a lot about Ben Simmons and all the issues with his game and him as a player, it's all been personal. Like, he doesn't want to, for example, when he's shooting free throws, switch to his dominant hand, which is right, right? He wants to shoot them with his left. He doesn't want to take more jump shots, even though there was a footage of him in Summer League here in Las Vegas, his rookie year, like turnaway jumpers, hitting mid-range elbow shot, like all of these things, and they're smooth. But he just doesn't want to do it anymore. And it just it's kind of goes into the psyche of Simmons and, like, what you can see from it and just – it's been kind of a personal choice that he just doesn't want to shoot those jump shots, that he doesn't want to attempt those three-point shots. And whether it's because he doesn't want to look bad, but it was – remember when they got eliminated by the Celtics? After they got eliminated by the Celtics, in the report, it mentions that Brett Brown met with him, as he did with all the players. Here's the three things we need to work on in the offseason. One of them was develop a jump shot. They had a guy on staff that was going to work with him on it, and he told them two weeks later, no, I have my guy. And it was a family member, and he just never started to work on him after that. There was a team meeting after that season in which they go, it I guess somebody stood up in the room and goes, name one thing Ben Simmons has improved on in terms of his game. And the room just nobody nobody answered. So it's it's that's the weird thing about Ooh, Simmons man. is that it seems to be very much about what he wants to do as a player. I didn't realize the pressure that's on him from Australia too. He hasn't made a decision on the Olympics. Yeah, and they're actually and their their Olympic team could be really good. Like it's him, Matisse Thibel. Like there's a lot of guys on that team like that could make that a legitimately competitive team. Now, that said, should he play in the Olympics? Or if you knew that he was going to drill hoops for most of the offseason, and it's a very short offseason, would you rather have him do that or play more games? I mean, wouldn't what's the best way to practice? Live action, is not. I mean, if he's I'm asking you. I think so. Like, if you're going to if you're going to implement the jump shot, I'd like to see it in live action. If you're going to, for lack of a better term, and this isn't even, you're not going to stink, but if you're going to experiment with something, play live action with your national team and try it out there. I asked everyone on the show yesterday this question, including some of the guests, and I got shot down, I think, by everyone. If you run an organization, well, I mean, players are different. So, like, Chris Middleton playing for Team USA, Kevin Love, I mean, you know, I don't think you're going to tell Love, like, don't play. Yeah. Um, Durant and Harden? I mean, no. Especially after what they're going through, right? It's funny, everyone on the show yesterday is like, well, maybe not Adam Hill, but... Uh, others were like, yeah, let him play. I'm like, no. No way. It's, like, for them specifically, right? Because Durant? It's crazy. Durant, after the injury that he had and the shortened offseason. Because, again, this is somewhat shortened, right? They're playing in October again. This isn't November. Yeah. This isn't December. And then Harden, Harden didn't play. Or Harden was a shell of himself because of a hamstring issue. We had Michael Leon, who's covered the NBA for a long time. And Michael Lee countered with, well, you want to make him happy. That's the way it works now. If they want to do it, you let him do it. I'm like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, sure, but. Seems dangerous stuff. to me. I'm going to be watching as a, as a hardcore Nets fan. I mean, the, the most hardcore Nets fan you know. Uh, I'm going to be watching the Olympics scared crapless. Yeah. Watching Durant. Although I will say I'm kind of excited for the Olympics because some of these rosters look pretty good, and there's a lot of good players that are participating. It's going to be pretty cool. All right. got to look at the rosters and see if, 
we can win without Kevin Durant. Maybe that would change my feelings. I think we can. Okay. We can do we for that, right? Yeah. You're yeah. not going to get mad? Because we're all American. I don't know. The we rule extends. It's pretty intense. Yeah, we're American. We. He's like, yeah, we're American. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. A lot of approval there from John Von Tobel. A lot of approval. Well, we'll see how much of approval if it's uh, across the board, because I think there's going to be some dissenters. And right now, it's you know, it's it's one of those periods where you, the, the truth doesn't really come out in a situation like Carl Nassib. We're going to talk to a guy who does CBS Sports Radio. He's a um, on-air host, a digital content provider, also works for Outsports. Alex Reamer will give us his take on what was a massive day for many yesterday when Carl Nassib announced that he's gay. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. My hope is that all the networks across this country cover it in context. There are more than 250 anti-LGBTQ bills that have been introduced across this country this year alone. So I do not want to hear anyone on this network or any other network say who cares that he's come out. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Elsie Granderson, uh does a show on ESPN LA and that's a great counter to some of the messaging we saw yesterday mostly from eggs on Twitter and you know folks are uh, who don't want to reveal who they really are when they're making negative comments yeah people care obviously when there's that much legislation out there it's still a uh, pending legislation it's still a big issue and there's still a lot of fights going on Alex Reamer uh, knows a, a lot about this cause knows a lot about the story he works for Odyssey CBS Sports Radio as a host and content provider and also for Outsports, Alex, haven't talked to you in a while. What's up, buddy? How are you guys doing? What's going on today? Uh, we're good. What do you think about what uh, LZ Granderson said there? Because, you know, some of the responses yesterday were, who cares? It's not a big deal. You know, I don't care about what someone's sexual preference is. Well, it's it's important to a lot of people. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Nats have nailed it in his announcement. The fact that uh, visibility matters. Everybody who comes out matters, and he said it himself in his Instagram video that he's a very private person, but he felt it was important to come out and show other people that, yes, you can be openly gay and play in the NFL. You can be openly gay and be accepted and embraced in the NFL. It's important, and it's also important that he donated $100,000 to the Trevor Project, the leading uh, suicide prevention organization for LGBTQ youth, and why are LGBTQ youth at higher rates for suicide than others because they don't have visible role models. They are not accepted. Studies show that if there is an accepting adult in an LGBTQ person's life, their chance for suicide declines by 40%. So visibility matters, acceptance matters, and everybody who comes out is playing their own small part in it, and that's what we saw yesterday. I saw you tweet out yesterday, holy blank, an active player has come out. Congratulations, Carl Nassib. Live your truth. Uh, Were you shocked? Yes, I, uh, I was shocked that it happened yesterday. I mean, I always thought it was inevitable, I guess, that we would have an openly gay active NFL player or another openly gay active player in the four major sports. You know, we had Jason Collins at the tail end of his career and Michael Sam, who never made a roster, of course. Uh, but, I mean, you know, you're waiting for it for basically your whole life, my whole life, I'm 28. Um, but when it actually happened, yeah, it was certainly a holy bleep moment. So I'm curious, when you see people say, well, do I have to announce that I'm straight now? What's the response to that? Oh, my God. Oh, that's so moronic. Do you guys really hear that today? Yeah. <laughs> well, I saw it multiple times. I think that was a lot of the response because 
you know, it's it's the weird way of of hating a message like this with like by demeaning it to a certain extent, right? Like, oh, it's no big deal. Why do I, should I announce that I'm straight? And to your point, like this is massive for in terms of role models, and I, and I feel like in a sport like the NFL of all sports, where there's a stereotype of machismo and all of these things, to have an openly right. gay player and on defense, nonetheless, where it's you know the physical models of some sort, like it, it is line. important. Yeah, exactly. And I would I would I would counter all those Neanderthals and say, uh, what is the suicide rate for straight kids versus LGBTQ kids? You know. Uh, you know, who are your straight role models? Can you name any of them in sports? I, I bet you can. There's quite a few. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're a gay kid, a gay football player, there was nobody in the NFL who was like you, or so you thought. And we know there are gay players in the league. There have been since the start of time. I mean, Vince Lombardi was accepting of gay players. Warren Moon had a great tweet thread yesterday explaining how he knew and his teammates knew there were openly gay players back when he played, but... They just didn't feel like it was right to come out. So that's just what the counter would be. I mean, it's necessary still to come out, and hopefully one day it won't be, thanks to guys like Carl Nassib and everybody else. But today it still is because we have a dearth of openly LGBTQ role models in society, especially in high-level male team sports. So that's why it is important to make an announcement like he did yesterday. I saw that your cohort at uh, Outsports, uh, Sid, uh, wrote a story saying the league has been ready. I read the story. I know you read the story. Uh, what was the, the basis of saying the league has been ready for this? Yeah, I mean, look, I've been at Outsports for over for about a year and a half now, and that's something that I've come to believe as well now that I cover this stuff on a daily basis. I mean, all this fear-mongering is really false, and we saw that, and we're seeing that now because Carl McNaster came out and – he said it wouldn't be possible without his teammates. John Gruden, I think, had a great quote yesterday. I think he said it to uh, the L.A. Times, I believe, saying, I learned a long time ago, it makes people different, makes them great. Mark Davis supported him, Saquon Barkley, J.J. Watt, the NFL, Roger Goodell. I mentioned they matched his donation to the Trevor Project today, a story we broke at Outsports, which is huge, the NFL matching Carl Nassib's donation. Uh, look, the NFL has been very pro-LGBTQ at the corporate level for a long time. They turned their NFL shield rainbow this month, you know, for crying out loud. So corporate, you know, the corporate culture has been there, and I think the players have been there for a while as well. But there's all that fear-mongering. There's so much coverage about the fear of coming out, the fear of coming out. But we see it all the time at Outsports. We tell stories about athletes every day at the high school, college levels, uh, professional levels, international levels. And the stories are almost always are almost uniform. There's so much fear and angst about coming out. Will I be accepted? Will I be able to play? Will my teammates accept me? And then they come out, and it's the best thing they ever did. So that's the stories that we tell almost every day. And I think that's been Carl Nassib's story so far. Yeah, and, and uh, I thought Sid made a good point in his story where He's talking about 2012 and interviewing a bunch of players, and a lot of players are like, yeah, I've got right. my brother's gay. I have a sister. I've got a cousin. Um, you know, I, I know people. So, like, this has become, for many, an accepted part of life. It's You know, it's not shocking that a coworker may be homosexual. Right, and the NFL did a video for National Coming Out Day this past October starring Rob Gronkowski and DeAndre Hopkins. Find me two bigger stars than that alongside other openly gay ex-players, Ryan O'Callaghan, Wade Davis, etc. So the league has been out in front of that. And, yeah, that's exactly right. And to get back to our previous point, that's why coming out is important. Because every person who comes out 
has a brother, has a father, has a mother, has a sister, has friends, has neighbors, has coworkers, and they go, oh, yeah, I do know a gay person, and they're just like me. So that's another reason why coming out uh, remains important. I saw Mike Freeman had a story in USA Today, today, uh, patting the Raiders on the back as, you know, an organization of inclusion, an organization that has embraced diversity, great history with Art Shell and, and Tom Flores. What do you think about that angle? Uh, you guys would probably know more about the specifics of the Raiders than I. But, uh, yeah, look, I think that, again, I just go back to Carl Nassib's message saying that he's had the utmost support from his teammates and coaches and literally said this would not have been possible without his teammates. It's apparent they have an inclusive environment with the Raiders. You go back to Art Shell, it's been that way for a long time over there. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's great to see. But I think there would be a lot of NFL organizations, if not all of them, where a gay player would be, an openly gay player, would be uh, embraced and accepted. But, yeah, the Raiders certainly seem to have a, a special history and in, in inclusion. Alex Reimer's with us. Alex has a really good background in sports radio. We worked at one of the big stations, bigger stations in the country, one of the more successful stations in the country, uh, WEEI. I'll throw this one at you just for a couple of comments on sports radio and what we're saying as hosts around the Carl Nassib situation. More progressive about stuff like this, the NFL or sports radio stations? <laughs> Do I even need to answer that? Um, I would say the NFL. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't know. I think that sports radio, sports talk radio, is overwhelmingly white. It's overwhelmingly male. The yeah. listenership, uh, at least in Boston, is overwhelmingly old. And they are conservative. So uh, that's kind of the audience that you have, uh, whereas you see all these professional leagues. I mean, Major League Baseball gets a rap as the most conservative major pro sports league, and it is. But guess what? 29 out of 30 teams have hosted a Pride Night in recent years. So that's pretty incredible. So all of these leagues, again, at the corporate level, have been so inclusive for several years now, and they get more inclusive by the year. Uh, so, yeah, sports radio, I think, if there's still that mentality out there like who cares uh they got to catch up with the times man no doubt no doubt and it's you know and it's who we think we're talking to in terms of the audience and i you know i just kind of chuckled the last couple of days as as we talked about it and the funny thing is you know we all have egos on us so i'm sure you know everyone who's been on this show including myself is like hey we're we're talking about this i'm speaking freely i'm handling this the way i want to i don't we may we may sound like jackasses but i but i do know there there are people in sports radio right now who are like oh my god like what do i say here like, I, don't, I don't know that I'm not comfortable talking about this, but that is part of the learning process, right? That is part of the, the whole adjustment and morphing as we move forward. Yeah, but I would say, you know, look, if you don't, if you're not down with this or you don't really know what to say, uh, in this environment especially, it's better to just stick to the, stick to the, stick to the balls, uh, yeah. pun intended. You know, stick, yeah. to, stick to the X's and O's, uh, you know, because... It's one of those situations where it's just, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's better to stay away. I love, you know what? I love that because that we oftentimes in sports radio we feel like we have to comment on everything. If you don't feel like you're equipped or you're uncomfortable, it's better to just sit back and maybe listen a lot and read a lot and try to gain some perspective before you actually say something. Yeah, or just not read and say nothing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Alex, hey, we appreciate uh, the spot today. Hope you're doing well. Everything going good for you? Everything's doing great, guys. Yeah, happy uh, happy to be on the other end of this thing and uh, happy that we finally have a history here in the NFL. Good deal. Thanks for the time. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks. There he is.
one of the uh, digital content providers for Odyssey, is a fill-in host around the country on CBS National, was at WEI. Um, yeah, he's good. Alex Framer. Check out outsports.com. Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. Second half of the show is coming up. We start steaming towards the 6 o'clock puck drop as the Golden Knights looking for a third win in this series. How about a good start in the first period? How about Chandler Stevenson on the ice? And we should get an official answer to uh, Flurry over Leonard for the start in goal. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.